Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows where we learned about scientific efforts to revive the woolly mammoth, the latest in military drone technology, and the mysterious Shroud of Turin. And you can listen to those programs and many more amazing Coast shows by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Michael Gillen, former science reporter for ABC News on various shows and former instructor of physics at Harvard, as well as author. And the new book is uh, is, is just great. It's uh, The End of Life as We Know It. And just before we went into the break, we were talking about that that space in discussions of what we should and ought to do, which might be better informed by discussions of morality as much as ethics. And, and you know, I think even, Michael, when you were talking about, about the idea of preserving a physical life uh, on this planet, like whether that was through uploading a brain or putting it into something, you know, into a robot or something, you know, even that makes me question whether or not that's something we ought to be doing. I mean, what is what is the end game for that? What is the ultimate, what's the end use for that um, other than our own human vanity that we become immortal? Yeah, I agree with you, Ian. And uh, I think an, another concern uh, in addition to that is that a lot of this technology that we're, we're kind of, spec- we're talking about right now, it's no longer speculative, it's actually happening is very expensive. Um, you know, never mind uh, trying to achieve immortality through some of this technology. Let's let's talk about some of the technology that is being used to, let's say, uh, um, uh, help uh, treat macular degeneration. I'm going to just pick that as an example. There's That's a company a good one. in California, sure. right? There's a company in California that is um, marketing uh, uh, retinal implants for people who uh, have macular degeneration and their eyesight's uh, going away. Well, that stuff costs, you know, upwards of $100,000 or more, and it's not covered by most insurance policies. So a lot of this technology that, that aims at improving our health, enhancing our health, enhancing our life, achieving immortality, is going to be available to the super rich. And so you have to stop and wonder, what is this going to do? What, what is this going to do to the dynamics of a society? When you have uh, wealthy, super wealthy people, elites, if you will, um, able to to benefit from this, and and the others are you know like being put out of business by robots, and so I talk seriously about uh, in, in my book I talk seriously about the possibility of there being a human revolution. You know we often talk about in science fiction often depicts you know, robots kind of rising up and revolting against humans and taking over the Earth. Well, you know, that we can talk about that possibility, but I think an even more real possibility, the way this technology is shaping up right now, is for people who have been kind of disenfranchised um, or marginalized by this technology will just be get fed up at some point and say, you know, this is enough is enough. I mean, we're, we're, taking, it in the, we're taking it in the behind, and and and, the, and 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 we're not gonna we're not gonna take it anymore. And so and and I, it's interesting. Ian, I talk about in the book 
Does Regnery know you talk like that? Do, do the people at Salem know you use that kind of? I mean, really? I gotta be careful. I gotta. I gotta be. Careful. You're really out on a limb there, you know. I just. Want... <laughs> yeah. Well, I figured it's a late night show, so. You know, That's right. So you're gonna let your hair right. down on that one, okay? I, I got. But you know, never mind Regnery. I gotta worry about my wife. You know, hitting me upside the head to say, "What you said? What?" Uh, but, uh, but. Um, but I talk about how a lot of these guys from Silicon Valley are actually uh, buying these, uh, what they're calling bug-out houses. Right. They're, they're buying houses in these remote places in the country and in the world on the chance that, you know, when the stuff hits the fan, there I go again, but when right. the stuff hits the fan, they, they want to be able to escape. And this is a serious thing. I quote some, I quote former Google engineers and uh, Google executives uh, and, and others who, who say, yeah, you know, a human revolution is a real possibility. Many of them are trying to uh, avoid that possibility now by talking about the universal basic income. Okay, but hang on a second. Wait, wait, yeah. let's, say, let's, let's, let's pause for a sec, because yes. the idea of having a bug-out house, right? Yeah. That's like, I mean, every, every you know, Church of Latter-day Saints person I know has a has that philosophy, right? Yeah. There's seven yeah. years oh, yeah. of stored food, and, oh, yeah. and yeah. I know lots of other people who practice that belief. That doesn't. That's not the same to me. Although I understand your point, I, I'm more thinking about. I, I'm more reminded of of uh, you know of what Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park when he said, you know, the dinosaurs had their chance. Right, they're done. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah. they, they, they. Th- that was their moment, and the fact yeah. that bringing them back is is to reintroduce, say, living dinosaurs, just because we can, is and the and the notion too that, for example, when you talk about the the wealthy elites as opposed to the intellectual elites or the physical elites or any other types of ways in which we the moral elites, any way we could, you know, uh, quantify society. It's the wealthy elites aren't necessarily the best at anything except inheriting stuff. You know, some of them might have gotten it on their own, but not all of them. And then if that becomes the the class that's perpetuated, I would say, again, they had their chance. This it has to there has to be a Darwinian element to that where somebody else is going to have to come along behind them or we turn into Eloy and Morlocks from H.G. Wells time machine. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, by the way, I interviewed Jeff Goldblum once. This is just a funny aside. Um, <laughs> it went, in fact, when Jurassic Park came out, I was at ABC News, and I had been in touch with the producers, and they invited me to come to the big Hollywood premiere in the, at the after party, and Jeff Bloom was there and uh, a bunch of other guys. And I went up to I, I said, Jeff, you know, you're always like plain uh, scientists. <laughs> uh, not just in Jurassic Park, but elsewhere. And I said, sure. so, I'm just curious. I said, you know, did, did you have an interest in science growing up or what? He says, nah, it's just a job. And, you know, he has the <laughs> I was a little right. disappointed in his <laughs> answer. I thought he was going to say, oh, yeah, you know, I majored in physics at college. Right. And now, you know, <laughs> but no, but you... it's just a job for him. But, yeah, it's interesting. I, I love you bringing that up, Ian. The dinosaurs had their chance. It's really an indication of how the Earth, how the world works, how the universe works. Or designed to work. Is designed to work, exactly. And, you know, know, somebody's religious beliefs aside for a moment. Let's just talk, like, strictly science. Sure. 
Um, what, what we learn is that uh, these species have a window of time in which they rise up and they flourish and then they die out for whatever reason, whether it's a meteor or whether it's a, a temperature change or, or it's a, a rampant disease that did, did them in, you know, like the woolly mammoths, the saber-toothed uh, cats and so forth and so on, uh, and the dinosaurs. Uh, and and one wonders as 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 you contemplate these innovations that we're creating, the ones that I describe in this book, you can't help but wonder, what are we doing here? And then I think of what Arthur C. Clarke once said, and it stuck with me. He said, "It remains to be proven that intelligence has any survival value." Yeah, <laughs> amen. Whoa, whoa, yeah. you know, and you wonder, are we like outsmarting ourselves? You know, are we are we just being too clever by a half with the stuff, thinking that you know we're going to improve life, the, we're going to improve the human condition, and in fact, just the opposite happens. We do ourselves in. I mean, that's a real possibility. And 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 and, and you think of Jeff Goldblum say they had their chance. Maybe some some creature in the future will look back at us and say, yeah, oh yeah, human beings, they had their their chance, yep. and we blew it. Well, you and. Know? And, and now here's an now let me tease Crazy. this out a little differently. Yeah. Like if there was a humans killed off species, they didn't die out naturally. They were killed off, as opposed yeah. to say evolution. They weren't they they weren't allowed to follow their evolutionary cycle. That was truncated, right? By yeah. you know the fact that. They, you know, some giant bird in New Zealand laid these really big eggs that, you know, a human could eat off of for three days. And so, <laughs> boom, you know, it was gone. So, I mean, I, I realize you can make a Darwinian argument for that, but I think there are some species, like some like some bear or some tiger or whatever, that if we cloned that bear and brought it back and reintroduced it to the wild, not enough time has passed that it couldn't reabsorb that back into the the natural flow of our evolutionary cycles. Um, but I do think when we start looking into the future and then we start making all these plans of who's going to be and who's going to not be, that's when I think it gets super, well, to use the word from your book, ominous, but I think it goes, I think it becomes downright scary because who is going to be making these decisions once that technology becomes more facile? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're raising a good point. You know, I do talk about uh, these de-extinction efforts that are going on right now um, yep. that uh, primarily focused on the woolly mammoth. And I, I remember when I was at ABC News, I was actually invited to come to Russia where uh, there, there, there were a group of scientists. I think a French guy was in charge of the group, as I recall, and he wanted me to come up and cover the story. I never got around to doing it. I got busy doing other stories, but... What they had done is that they had carved out an entire woolly mammoth um, carcass, if you will, but pretty well right. preserved because it was right. in the ice. And they were slowly thawing it out, like, you know, with hair dryers and stuff like that, a little bit at a time with the intention of uh, trying to get their hands on some DNA, some, you know, frozen uh, preserved DNA. And then the whole idea is to then bring back the woolly mammoth. And that's going on right now. Uh, including a, a group that's being led by a guy at Harvard named Church. So um, the question then becomes, do we, I mean, you know, it's exciting, it's it's interesting, it's it's like science fiction come true, but then when you get past all that kind of the bells and whistles of it all, you have to ask, you know, 
do we really want to do this? And there's an even deeper question that I raise in the book, and that is, with all the genetic engineering we're doing, and, you know, these de-extinction efforts are, right. do come under the category of genetic engineering, what we're doing, Ian, is something that's never been done before, and that is we are elevating recessive traits and we are oh, suppressing dominant traits. In other that's words, we are flying in the face of the very forces that have created these species, the evolutionary forces. Sure. We are defying the natural flow. We're defying the natural order of things. And you got to believe that when you take on Mother Nature, remember the old commercial, oh, yeah. don't, you, don't, don't mess with Mother Nature or something like that? Yeah, it's uh, not nice you gotta, you gotta ni- It's not nice to yeah, fool Mother it. Nature. It's yeah. that the one. Yeah, it's not yeah. nice. I forget what it was, the commercial was. For margarine. It was, for imper- <laughs> it was for margarine, right? Yeah, and we know now margarine is not so great for us, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but but you've got to wonder that because we are doing this, we now have the ability of elevating recessive traits and suppressing dominant traits. We're flying in the face of Mother Nature. We've got to pay a price. I mean, you, you can't do that. You're, you're, you're fighting against, you know, uh, billion, according to science, you know, billions of years of evolution. Right. Uh, and and who it, are we to do that? If we take it on, who, who's going to be the casualty? I'm thinking we are. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.